it's going to be an interesting night because we're we're expanding on an already kind of theme that we've had, topic that we've had before, this topic on uh, myofascial pain and dysfunction, trigger point dry needling. Uh, that's uh, I think if anybody is new to this, check out past posts in the group and you'll see where our position is on this. It's a very uh, it's a it's a dry needling is a is a term or a name that triggers a lot of emotion in acupuncturists, but I think at the end of the day, when you see what we're doing with it, it makes a lot of sense. We're empowering acupuncturists. We're, this is a seminar and information taught by acupuncturists for acupuncturists, and we're looking to empower acupuncturists, not run away from PTs or, or you know, disown a name so they can take it. We own the name. We own any form of acupuncture. Is That's what we do. We have the capability to, to use acupuncture in any type, style, technique out there. So we should not run from this. We should we should embrace it and, and, and go with it. Now, also what you'll see is Matt and Adam uh, are continuing to develop trigger point dry needling or dry needling or whatever you want to call it. They're developing it to include a heck of a lot more than just uh, needling. It actually includes a lot of palpation, a lot of assessment, a lot of being able to feel with your hands, both with and without the needle. So this is something that they've been working on to really expand what what it is it's a complete i'd say it's a relatively complete system of course you know there are other things that you could use along with it in any given treatment but it's a relatively complete system and and in it and in, in it includes assessment and everything else so uh what we wanted to do ex again expanding on this topic tonight is go beyond just pain referral patterns we've always had this idea and we know that trigger points have pain referral patterns and they're often away from where the trigger point is. So if you're pain down your arm, pain in front of the shoulder, for example, let's use that one, can be caused by the infraspinatus, right? Um, okay, great. Well, that's awesome. And trigger points do work really well for that. But trigger points are responsible for a lot more than just pain referral patterns. They're responsible for a lot of autonomic phenomena that exists. They're responsible for temperature changes, um, uh, tingling, paresthesia, things like that, hypersensitivity. But they're also responsible for muscular function and how how uh, muscles away from trigger points, downwind from the actual trigger point, function. So when you start to learn this and start learning the connections in the body, you may use muscles that you had no idea affected uh, other muscles. So you may start using muscles that you never would have thought you would use for running or for back pain or for you know sciatica and things of that nature. So tonight's theme is. Um, dry needling beyond pain referral patterns, and it's actually for muscular function. So, with that, I wanted to, I wanted to say, I wanted to ask Matt first of all, how did you come across this? Is it something that you saw in Travel and then just expanded on? How yeah, I mean, I, yes, I mean, I guess some of it is just finding stuff in Travel, finding stuff just um, in other books like like Peter Baldry has a good, I believe it's Peter Baldry has a good book out. Um, yeah, and just poking around on PubMed, looking at uh, looking at studies about stuff, and then, and then obviously, um, you know, taking XStore was a big game changer, and then, and like I kind of took, you know, would take like the XStore and like like kind of like that, so like that mindset, and apply it and applied it to a, what I already knew, which, you know, which you know was trigger points, uh, dry needling, um, you know, looking at pain referrals. I was already looking at you know, what, what muscles refer to other muscles from a standpoint of satellite trigger points and key trigger points. You know, for anybody that's not familiar, so there's a phenomenon that 
you know, that uh, Travel and others have noted, where a trigger point in one muscle can cause a trigger points to form in another muscle. Um, like some uh, good examples are infraspinatus and supraspinatus can cause trigger points to form in the forearms. And if you don't knock out what's going on up here, you know, these will never, never stay gone. Um, so, yeah, so like I kind of took like that sort of lens that I was already using and then kind of looked at, you know, what, you know, what Anthony's you know, doing with XDOR and motor points, I'm like, okay, looking at, really looking at the inhibition standpoint, I just I started kind of cross-referencing the two and then, you know, and then, you know, digging a little deeper into literature and I was, and I started finding, you know, cases in literature and of, um, you know, like EMG studies, for instance, where they've, where they've, uh, shown that the trigger points in one muscle, you know, can either cause facilitation or inhibition in other muscles. Some good examples of that are uh, the QL. Uh, now, Travell talks a lot about how the QL can, and I think Anthony's back pain video also talked about it, that the QL, it refers to the, um, the gluteal region, so um, among other places, and it can trigger, trigger the gluteal muscle, especially gluteus minimus, to develop trigger points, and then that radiates down the leg like sciatica, and then that can then trigger trigger points to form like in the peroneals um, and the outside part of the gastroc. And so I was already thinking in terms of, okay, so this muscle can cause trigger points and pain referral from a different muscle. Like now, hmm, and I read uh, some studies where they found that, that the QL was also a trigger inhibition in the, uh, the gluteal muscle. So that kind of got me thinking. I just started looking for other places where I found that. Um, for instance, I see scalings, uh, especially especially anterior scaling, causing causing inhibition in the subclavius quite often. It's something that I've observed clinically. Um, yeah, let's see. There's so some just basic rules of thumb with that um, muscles that are segmentally related. If one has trigger points, it can trigger other segmentally related muscles to develop trigger points as well. So, so, so develop trigger points or become inhib inhibited. So for instance, you know, you have the infraspinatus C5, C6. So uh, look at other muscles, you know, C5, C6. Okay, so you got, got some, some delta action going on. You got some uh, biceps, you know, and, um, you know, and so incidentally, the overlap infraspinatus refers to this area and it can cause both trigger points and inhibition in this area. So let me guess how it was a little bit of a gimme, but, um, how did yeah, you uh, come sorry, I, just, I lost my train of thought. I think it was. Uh, I think no, it was that game I was gonna ask you, but how how did you what what muscle did you link up with the lat? You found that the, the lat trigger points can cause inhibition. And okay, so yeah, so like so yeah, the lats. That's kind of my like they're my new baby. Um, so with the lats, you know, if you look at the uh, like Yandin, like the uh, like sort of like the, that sort of prog school lens, that sort of muscle sling lens that. Uh, you know, Anthony's going to really go into a lot in his um, sports medicine seminar here this fall. If you look at that, um, so just in a functional movement, say, you know, walking, so the lat on one side fires and contralaterally, you know, along with the glute max. Now, if you look at um, cadaveric dissections, you know, the attachment through the thoracolumbar fascia, unfortunately, my skeleton's in the other room, otherwise I'd, I'd show you because I have a skeleton set up um, to demonstrate this. I was doing a series of YouTube videos. But anyway, so the lat comes across and through the thoracolumbar fascia actually connects the gluteal fascia on the opposite side. So what they've done is actually on cadavers, if you tug on one lat, the opposite 
hip will, will extend and externally rotate as though the glute were firing. Um, and so uh, what I found, I mean, it's something that the new trigger point manual touches on like in passing, but what I found is that if the lat's inhibited, especially if it's inhibited with trigger points, that the glute max on the other side will almost always be inhibited as well. And um, quite often uh, you can turn the, turn the glute on by treating the lat. Now, occasionally I've seen it the other way around that the glute max trigger points will be shutting the lat off. Um, I have one, uh, you know, one patient, she's a high level uh, strength athlete and it was going the other way, but typically I see the lat affecting the glute, you know, you know, three to four, three to four times one. And occasionally even we'll, we'll trigger the glute to develop trigger points. I saw this just yesterday in mm -hmm. clinic. Yeah, we were just talking <clears> about that. Yeah, it just, it's like a gentleman with a long-term shoulder issue. We've been working on that on and off as he comes in, has opposite side hip that just came on and when he was doing a lifting, you know, he, was, he lifted up his child. And so the lifting triggered the glute to fire and spasm. And so I checked it out and he tested weak on both. We tested the lat and I retested it with the glute before I treated the glute and it retested much stronger, but it still had a little bit of inhibition. And then I treated the glute and that came up to where I would expect it to be is equal to the other side. Um, so are you looking at relationships that are segmental or in fascia, with fascial connections or just whatever relationships might be? You're just exploring. I'm looking at both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of the above. Because um, look along the nerve, look along the segment, look along the, the sclerotome. I mean, you have to look along all these different regions that could lead you to that spot because it's, it's never one thing. What about like, uh, so you have, a, you have a pain referral zone and say you have pain covering like the deltoid and the bicep. Would there be issues within those muscles as well? Because it's within the pain referral zone? So in other words, does that also guide where you look? Yeah, I mean, palpate. You know, look look for bands, see if you can get get them to twitch. But but if you find a trigger point in an area that you know farther, typically farther up the chain. Now there's some some exceptions. Some 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 trigger points are for proximal, but generally it's proximal to distal. Um, so look up the, up the chain. So so generally you want to look up the chain. So if it's Ooh. in this area, then I'd be looking at you know at um especially infraspinatus, um, the upper portion of the medial scalene. So treat, you know, treat those areas and go back through and see what's left. And now, now there, a lot of times I can knock, knock out the pain, um, you know, sort of deactivate the more distal trigger points by treating proximally. Now at subsequent treatments, you know, there may still be some trophic change in the muscle and then that's, that's why I would use a line technique or something like that to address the trophic change in the muscle. Uh, in line techniques, things like that. It's very cool. So this is something. I'm really, cause I'm really, cause I really mix and ma mix and match and blend the um, sort of like the the dry needle and stuff that I was all, already doing with some of the electro stuff that I've learned later on. Right, right. That's very interesting. That's very cool. So there's a whole other layer. Mm -hmm. You know, this goes beyond the typical mm -hmm. uh, uh, use for for trigger points that we may mm -hmm. you know may become familiar with. Yeah, um, I mean, you've got to start yeah, somewhere. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean medicine is this big thing. You know, you, you can come in. There's all these different ways you can get into that funnel, you know, to get in there. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, my my practice, I probably treat latent trigger points, you know, latent meaning ones that aren't producing probably more often than I do active trigger points because there's a, there's a study that came out, I can't remember the authors, but, but they're showing that latent trigger points in infraspinatus can actually produce active trigger points in their referral zone down here. Oh, that's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering. So there are different yeah. into the referrals. There can also be trigger yeah. points as well. That are yeah, yeah but, but what I'm saying is that the trigger points up here aren't producing referral themselves, but they can still be producing right. uh, referred, you know, hypertonicity down here. You know, alpha so latent trigger points are, so yeah. latent trigger points you don't want to yeah. ignore just because they're quiet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because a lot of times they're still producing inhibition. Um, late trigger points, you know, there's still a lot, of, they still are a noxious input to the dorsal horn or the spinal horn and the dorsal, um, or excuse me, caudal trigeminal nucleus. Uh, there's still, yeah, still a noxious input. It's just, it's not an noxious input that's strong enough to make it up to the brain. But at the segmental level, you know, it could still, you know, over time can still produce uh, neuroplastic change in the area or in the um, central nervous system. This is really good. So, you know, the summary of it is, you know, this is a lot more complex and uh, you know, look, look at, look at what else trigger points might be causing. Mm -hmm. If they're screaming at you, it's easy. You know, you palpate, you find the bad, you find the trigger point within it, reproduces the pain or problem zone that's one thing but uh, you know and that's important it's necessary to miss uh there will be a lot more talk about the complexities or kind of the more more the clinical application beyond that so i think that that's one of the neat things about the seminar is it's beyond just treating pain and it's also treating form and function which yeah. you know ends up causing a lot of pain when the body's not functioning properly. Mm -hmm. So it also gets to the root of why the why maybe those trigger points developed to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, another thing that I use them a lot for for you know referred autonomic stuff for for like um like I've had patients come in like the their whole, one whole side of the face might be puffy because um, trigger points are including the uh, pterygoid uh, venous plexus. So, so it causes, you know, just venous fluid to back up in this area. So one whole side of their face is puffy, for instance. Like I had one patient actually, uh, you know, I was treated her some acid and actually it, um, I was able to actually watch the swelling go down just right on the table. Wow. It just, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't, you can't underestimate the, the degree of autonomic mm -hmm. uh, effects. Yeah, blurred vision. Um, yeah, like, yeah, like there's that one one guy who was uh, like right when I first started practicing, it was this this old guy who's a farmer. Yeah, you know, thing like he'd walk, he'd sway, like he was drunk. Uh, he said quickly he'd pass out. You know, if he leaned over for leaned over to pick something up, he would just tip over forward because he just loses his balance. And it turned out it was just his SCM. You know, causing him to faint, causing him you know blurred vision, causing headaches. Um, you know, causing that. Like I said, that gate where he was would sway back and forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah was in, uh, there's a, two studies, uh, 1959, and then there's another one by the same authors in 1961, where they uh, where they would either destroy the um, semicircular canals in rhesus monkeys, 
or they would remove the SCM and it produced um, identical um, um, deficits in a balancing proprioception. Yeah, well, you can't, you can't underestimate the degree of, of uh, proprioception that the muscles are responsible for. The nerves that are in there, the, you know, the feedback that's coming back to the body is really important. And when those aren't working properly, mm -hmm. I had a patient, he was convinced that a neurologist told him it was something else, but his SEM was so spasm. You can just, you know how normally you have to have them pick their head up off the table a little bit and that really gets the SEM to pop out. His was like that at rest. I'd never seen an SEM so spasmed, just constantly spasmed. And he had all of the symptoms all, all of the autonomic systems that that SCM could produce, <laughs> but no pain, no headache, which was amazing. But when you worked on it, you could definitely very easily reproduce the pain in the, in the zone that the SCM is responsible for. But it's just interesting. It's just really, everybody's a little bit different. So a lot of things is, is uh, at the sub pain level and still could be producing a heck of a lot of bad bad you know problems so i'm yeah, just really yeah what's that I, I had one yesterday who came in and it's someone i've seen for on and off for ages for different things and she came in and one sem was way out yesterday and the other one was flat and she had her complaint was she'd been having all of this dizziness and ear ringing and that was a new something new for her and she's like i don't know what this is and but her shoulder was also um had been an issue for a couple of weeks because she was kayaking and then all of a sudden this SCM is standing like it came through the door before she did. I mean, it, yeah. it was, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's, that's different. I, I mean, I know her at this point. So I was like, that's not her normal neck. Right, right. I don't know why my ears ringing. This is such a strange symptom. And I was like, well, let's, let, let me just try a few things. And I just did a little bit of work on the SCM and it laid right down. So hopefully the ringing subsided and um, she didn't hear it while she was in the room, but I was kind of wanted her to give it a half day to see right. how, how it held and how it stayed. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. But, yeah. You see that where all of a sudden something's out of place on just on visual inspection. And sometimes those are the muscles that it's like, wow, that that's, that's unlike, that's unusual. So testing it and seeing and, you know, I, I, sh if I should have done the full test and tested which side was the weak side and done like some motor point work on the, the weak side, but it just was so swollen on one side. And it was yeah, the same something about it there. Yeah. Yeah. So she came in and you basically went, what the hell happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's just, no, I'm sure you were a little more smooth about it. Do we have any questions in the, in the chat? Well, everybody wants us to uh, to go on um, says, shut up AOF. <laughs> they want I us can, to go on AOF. I can try to get us on AOF. <laughs> nah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of nice people out here. Yeah, we got we're eleven people now, so that's good. So I guess the links are working on CMTW yeah. that I was putting up. Yeah, so we're up to twelve at one point. I think. Good. We have hey, Becky. Uh, Hi, Becky. Oh, yeah. We have, Hi. We have a, one question in the Q&A. What's that? Do we? Uh, Seems to work on Zoom. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Get this to go away, John. With the little red button. Oh. <laughs> Adam's Mac, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Wow. Well, yeah. So, I mean, beyond even just 
the the fact that the this idea that dry needling is usher needling it is so much more beyond that that and, and now it's becoming you know a complete system in and of itself it's not just needling it's yeah. palpation assessment mm -hmm. um but we've been over that a hundred times yeah yeah i mean I, I mean but might as well get my soapbox about it again it's like yeah you have the venn diagram over here for usher needling you have one over here for dry needling they overlap a little bit but they're different because i mean you know it's like okay so you're palpating a spot on a muscle pain is tender why is that tender doesn't mean it's a trigger point it uh you know, it could be that their autonomic nervous system is jacked if um, norepinephrine increase, increases prostaglandin production systemically. Um, they could have an irritated nerve. Yeah, they, yeah, they could have, have an irritated nerve. Um, hypertonic muscle is almost always tender, whether it's a trigger point or not. And yeah. I think trigger points, you know, even in the, though in Trebellis um, and Simon's uh, definition, they included spot tender, localized spot tenderness. They're not always tender. Um, you know, I like to give myself as an example, I have this, like I get motion sickness fairly easily, but I have a, a trigger point here in my SCM. You can palpate it, you can pluck it, it will twitch. Good shot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you know, you can pluck it, it'll twitch, it's a band. If I squeeze it really hard, I will instantly get the SCM referral through here, but locally it's no more tender than if I'm squeezing my bicep. Actually, I think my bicep's more tender than <laughs> um, but that's, that's yeah, a good so point. It's not tender. Trigger points, even if they're causing symptoms, are not always tender. More often than not, they are, but not always. And the, and the, so, the band and might be tender. So, and tender muscles usually are not trigger points. That's you know, is there a top band of contracture? Is you know, does it produce referred symptoms when you palpate slash needle it? Um, does it twitch when you when you palpate it, assuming that it's not a deep muscle like the um, like the gluteus minimus or something? Yeah, one of the big misconceptions too is that okay, you're palpating, you find the band. Yeah, you can put a needle in that band, you'll get it to twitch, or you know, you'll put a needle in that band and it'll be tender. But that doesn't mean you're getting the therapeutic effect of the trigger point because the trigger point is somewhere within that band. So that requires further palpation, mm -hmm. which once you get it down, it's not it's not that bad, but mm -hmm. You know, I think that that was somehow, somewhere along the way, uh, lost in primary and TCM education, uh, the, the need to palpate. It was, and maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just the people that I have you know, gone to, but in the past, you know, I visited uh, three ACUs in my town, not one palpated, not one. They just put the needles in the acupuncture points and thought that some, you know, miraculously would take, sometimes you're gonna get the positive effects, but oftentimes you, you won't. So, I mean, like we really need to start palpating more, you know, if we're gonna be, you know, the, the better um, physical medicine and pain practitioners, then we need to really start putting our hands on people more and palpating. So that's another thing that these seminars really, really, um, really push and really focus on too, is the actual, palpation and squeezing and getting the, the, the trigger of the, the local twitch responses just from palpation because mm -hmm. that's significant. It means something. So, so what's going on this weekend? Yeah. Adam. So why are you in Syracuse? I just came down to go shopping at the mall. <laughs> I don't blame you. The mall attracts a lot of people, a lot of Canadians, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. They have the mall. over a hundred million a year from Canadians. 
Canadian, uh, 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 what do you call it, tourism because of that mall. Hey, that's that's amazing. They like it. Eh? I know they have stores and things, so you should go look at it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I like the ropes course. The ropes course is fun. Yeah, Cam really like that. Cam like that. She went on it last uh, last year, I think, with a couple people. You, you were on it too, weren't you? I, I couldn't go on it. You couldn't go on it. Who went on it? No, he's getting he's getting the shocker. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I line out. We are we are going to cover some things with the pointer plus or pointer XL light large whatever one you have because um, there's that whole rabbit hole of which pointer do I buy um, but we're going to cover some use with the trigger points with that because mm -hmm. some of them will respond well to the electricity and the twitching mm -hmm. and you can really get mm -hmm. some of the ones down the chain mm -hmm. that Matt was talking about yeah. to resolve by nice. stimming ones up the mm -hmm. chain. Hey I think we have a question somebody raised their hand. Oh neat. Oh nice. Hi. Hi. Hi Where is he? Uh, okay. Josh, you said something about software issues as usual. I'm looking for any other questions. I don't see any questions. So many raise their hand. Any attendees? Let's see. Jonas raised their hand. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, well uh, away if you can. Yeah. If you have a question, give it to us. We're happy to answer anything. But this weekend, maybe that's just a high five. It might just be a high five. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, but yeah, there's not many people on, so just type them in the comments today. I mean, that's... Yeah. Give them a second. Yeah, so uh, so the real reason Adam's here is we're, we're doing a class together this weekend. Um, we're doing triangling two. It's more advanced class on the neck and upper extremities. So we do a lot of fun stuff. Um, start talking more. It's like, the, our, you know, level one for the dry needling, it's really about core competencies. Um, you know, can you, you know, can you palpate, find the bands, get them to twitch, you know, by palpation, get them to twitch by needling, um, you know, knowing your local anatomy, nerve palpation, things like that, you know, along with, you know, a bevy of, you know, hard hitting muscles that you'll see every day. Um, but now in, in level two and level three, that's where we really get into, you know, somatovisceral stuff that we're, you know, Adam's going to do a lot on in level three. Uh, level two, you know, we're really looking, starting to look at, okay, what muscles are causing other muscles to, to screw up? Um, you know, why do you have a headache that keeps coming back? You know, why is your problem down here keep coming back? Um, you know, you know, why does X muscle just keep shutting off? So we're going to start looking into that kind of stuff a lot more. You know, why are you getting weird autonomic stuff going on? And so yeah, there's yeah, a ton yeah, of muscles. Yeah, excited. I mean, you know, this one's going to have a lot of really technical needling stuff um, that we really, you know, didn't feel comfortable putting in. In level one, you we're going to put it in a class where people have been doing this kind of needling for a while. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I have a question, you guys. I mean, honestly, it's, it's my favorite class to teach out of three. It really is. I, I have a question, just with regard to I, out of all of the things that people, patients visit, you know, a neurologist for, and the neurologist often either offers maybe some kind of medication or sends them for CTs or MRIs and everything. How many of the things that you think most people are referred to neurology for really are probably couched or rooted more or less in musculoskeletal dysfunction? Um, I mean, I don't want to put an exact percentage on it because, you know, there's kind of some selection bias just in who comes in the door. Sure. So, like, 
so people that come into my door are the people that went to the neurologist and the neurologist like, oh. right. So, right. So, I mean, I see it like every day, like, like half my patients that come in, especially the ones that aren't coming in specifically mm-hmm. for sports related stuff, mm-hmm. it's like half of them probably or more. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people that they you know, want to do back surgery and it's trigger point referral or. Yeah, I guess that's more what I was asking. Like things like that, that are like really stuff that plagues people all the time. They go to the neurologist and they're like, oh yeah, you got to have surgery. And then they say, well, I'm not going to get surgery. I'm going to try something else. And then bam, you knock it out with, you know, that approach. Free treatment. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. For example, what about with, um, I'm sure you've seen this. I just had this last week, but a gentleman had knee surgery and he's been hobbling around for the past year and a half after the knee surgery with excruciating pain in his quad and just burning pain. And he's been back in the knee surgery. According to all of the scans and the assessments, the knee surgery is fine. There's nothing wrong with the knee, but he has a huge, I mean, he came in on a walker. He couldn't use his knee. And so I worked on, I worked on the quads because he, where he was pointing, it was like the, the vastus lateralis pattern. And I checked and, He's a very elderly gentleman, and I palpated up, and he's lots of ropiness in the in the the vastus lateralis, but it was it was tiny compared to the medial side. So we worked on that, worked on his hip, worked on a few other things, and the burning pain after a couple of treatments is gone. And the last time he came in, he goes, "I just needed a tune-up. I'm going out on my boat." That's awesome. <laughs> so it wasn't the knee; it was just probably the lack of follow-through. Mm-hmm. to fully get that muscle restored after the surgery or what got cut. There may have been some like a nerve that was feeding that end of the muscle that got cut and it hadn't adapted to that, to that change yet. How is it, How do we justify that level of ignorance on behalf of the surgeons to not know that there's going to be compensatory things that happen after a joint replacement and to That's just true. kind of let the patient float, maybe send them to PT, but even the PTs are, Kind of, I mean, you hear it from so many patients. Like, yeah, I did PT, it was useless. How do we allow, how do we allow that gap? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, I don't know, I expect you to answer it. Another point I wanted to make is you were talking about SCM and just recently uh, I had Becky needle my SCM because I've been having so many problems with it. It's complicated reasons for that. A lot of it's habitual posture issues. Those of you who know me well know that I love rocking chairs and I spend enormous amounts of time in a rocking chair and what that does to the SCM. So Becky needled it. I was having a little bit of an issue um, when I go climbing if I'm up on a, a bouldering problem and I let go and fall and hit the ground, every time I would hit the ground and compress, I would actually have like a mild deafness in my ear. And I, and I attributed it to my, my SCM was so ropey. It was almost fibrosed like a corn stalk. Mm. And Becky got in and released several areas. And then mm. after dropping from the bouldering wall, it was, I was absolutely fine. Yeah. So that's just an interesting yeah. thing. Like someone else might've gone to a neurologist for that, but no, they, would never, they would have never looked at it. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, look, how long ago did Travel's book come out? And mm-hmm. we're still seeing, mm-hmm. we're still seeing myofascial mm-hmm. uh, causes overlooked. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't even acknowledge it. Don't even it's acknowledge amazing. it. That's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It blows I mean, my mind. I mean, just even that is kind of an interesting, you know, like one, one hypothesis for why that was happening is this refers up, up to, uh, you know, the, Muscles of mastication, muscle mastication are innervated by a trigeminal nerve, as are the muscles in your inner ear. Mm-hmm. And I actually That's chew cool. on this side more than the other side. For some reason, yeah. I favor that heavily, and I might have even overdeveloped that musculature. It's very interesting. We have a question. Yeah. 
are you giving patients therapeutic exercises that either enhances your treatments or prevents the return of trigger points? And with that, I'm going to add, what do you do? I mean, with, with the, with the, with the people that go back and they, and they just go right back into the environment that's causing these things. So here, uh, but, uh, the, the question specifically on therapeutic, therapeutic exercises, do you use those? I do some, I don't use it enough. Um, and it's something that I'm trying to expand on right now, but I do give people some basically more range of motion things. And what I've been trying to use, um, the one that I started with the most is that the teacup exercise from Qigong for people that I'm working on, like a rotator cuff and shoulder and arm issue. I try to go, have them do something that's more functional than just a strict exercise. And that's just my own sense of like, do something that they could actually use and that might look fun or, or become part of a breathing exercise with it. Um, I, you know, if I was going to go through it from a more Western perspective, I'd look up, you know, the individual exercise for each muscle, but rather than pick out a muscle, I've been trying to do something that's functional and covers mm -hmm. many all at once. Get those muscles firing as they would in real life. Yeah. But that's that just, that's been my current take as mm -hmm. my, the rabbit hole I'm going down right now. Um, you do. I, should, I should do more. Well, the thing is, you know, what's pro what's easy to happen for me anyway, what happened in the past was just the perpetuating factors are just something that people have such a hard time avoiding that you just get a little bit jaded from it. And you're like, okay, yeah, well, your job's your job sucks and it's killing you, but keep doing it. Well, they have to keep doing it. Maybe they can't just go out and get a new job that easily. Yeah. So it's like you you try, you try, you try, and it can be one of the most frustrating things in dealing mm -hmm. with patients and with recurring. It's common in internal medicine too. If they don't correct the underlying behavior, once sure. they're done with the therapeutic aspect of things, they go back to the standards that they've set for themselves, and then everything comes back again. Well, we got to remind ourselves, and, and, and you know. It never ends reminding the patient that we're not <laughs> we're gonna fix you to the point where it offsets anything that you're doing to yourself. That's why setting that responsibility back to the patient and saying, you know, just because you're okay now doesn't mean you're not gonna tip the balance back and create the same situation that brought you in to begin with. That's very typical. And like Josh said, it's easy to get jaded and just stop even bothering with that aspect of treatment. Yeah. We must. So I had something else and I forgot it, but I don't know. Oh, I was going to do a, a quick question, but I think, I don't know if we have time. Do we still oh, have plenty of time? Will we have people watching right now? Because I want yeah, to yeah, yeah, we have 13. Yeah. All right. We're going to give away a Chinese Medicine That Works hat. If you first person that types in the chat section on Zoom, uh, first person to type in the, uh, the Travel's criteria for locating and identifying a trigger point. First person to type those those uh, steps out will receive a CMTW hat. Please do not be in Australia. Please be in the U.S. or you know, preferably the lower forty-eight. <laughs> so we don't have to ship it. <laughs> so if you're a smarty pants on another continent, don't answer. Yeah, we had a lot of people. Yeah, do we have anybody like in Antarctica or anywhere? now. <laughs> We had somebody kicking butt at Michael's group yesterday. We were doing these, and he kept answering, and it was he was in Australia. All three of them. He got all three of them straight. And, and Josh is like, "Oh my god!" And the funny part is, he was already getting a hat too. I'm like, you got, yeah. he knew it. It was fun though. It was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Michael, we, we were you and Adam were uh, 
going back and forth about some spleen channel stuff and um you know in relation to pelvic floor you mm -hmm. know while people are typing yeah hey you want to riff about that a little bit or yeah, I was asking Adam, you know, because he was he was talking about uh, the saphenous nerve, and we were talking about the obturator nerve, and I was asking him how um, just tr trigger points could affect pelvic floor problems. We we had uh, the other guest, I completely blanked on her name, that was talking about pelvic floor the other night. It got me thinking because of all uh, the chronic. What's that? Jamie. Jamie, yeah. Um, just all the chronic pain that you see with gynecology patients. Um, and Adam kind of elaborated a little bit on, uh, he was talking about the saphenous vein and basically how it, it does follow considerable amounts of the spleen channel and how oftentimes we do needle the spleen channel in uh, dysmenorrhea patients. So Adam, maybe you can flush that out a little like you did before. Yeah, well, we were just talking about how the trigger points in the abdomen can radiate in, like the somatovisceral connection between a trigger point in a muscle that can affect a viscera and vice versa. So if there's pelvic floor disorder and we're looking at some of our classical Chinese medicine points where we're looking at liver kidney, um, when you're looking down that area, the, the saphenous nerve travels through that whole region. It goes from pretty much, it mirrors the spleen and liver channel. So it comes up along the medial thigh and, into the abdomen and it pierces through some of the abdominal fascia and the the obliques you know on its trajectory back up into the spine so that's one you know one other way to look at a, you know the nervous system input into the spleen channel and having that trigger point referral in in the fascia that it pierces can also influence how that nerve is, is affected and how that nerve is acting so if you have tenderness along that nerve maybe the tenderness is because of something right locally, but maybe the tenderness is because of a, a fascial issue or a trigger point issue up in the abdomen or in the pelvic floor where it comes from. So it's just another, another way to look at these when you're assessing the case and say, huh, I wonder if there's something else with this ankle pain or this you know, medial tibia pain. Um, just, yeah, it was a cool layer. Just interesting. Yeah, very neat. Did anyone answer that question? Looking at um, going up, up and down like the course of uh, of nerve trunks, yeah, and it's just looking for trophic change anywhere along along the course of that nerve. So before we give a little more time for anybody that wants to answer the question, but before we do, just want to let you know that we have a lot of free webinars coming up this month. So this Saturday we have Anthony Lombardi doing red flags for an hour. That's going to be a great one. Uh, catch that when you can. Um, that's going to be part of a more comprehensive uh, PDA webinar that he does, but the, this this one's free. And that's going to be fun, too. And what we want is we want people to watch that, and we want them to also pop in the comment section or however they're watching it, their red flag experiences where maybe they caught something or they had, they had a situation that maybe it wasn't caught. Either way, it's really important because we can all learn from it. And then we have another free webinar on soft tissue with Anthony. That's going to be, I think, the following Thursday or I don't know, it's sometime in July. It's, up on some, it's in the advance. August 1st, we have a free webinar from Jamie Hampton. She's going to be teaching uh, 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 pain from the coccyx. Coxidynia. Coxidynia. Yeah, and uh, she's going to be teaching. She's going to be teaching that. That's going to be really fun too. Jamie's a pelvic floor expert, so 
we have a lot of interesting things coming up. We have uh, we added a dry needling one to September. So if you want to hop in and get on that, in September, yeah, that's, I'll, I'll set you up for for to take dry needling three later in the fall. Um, that, that's yeah, you take three. where we go into some visceral stuff. Uh, we start tying it back into Chinese medicine pattern. Um, yeah, we've got some really cool stuff coming up. Yeah, don't you know? You can take one. And then you can take two or three. It's not, it's yeah. not. Totally yeah, you can jump straight to three and then go back and take two. Yeah. It's just, you need, but just you need to start with one because that's where, the, where you get the core competencies to where you can safely progress to two and to three and to two. Because palpating a muscle is different than palpating a channel or some of the really super light palpation that we learned in school. It's, it's just a different type of palpation, but I know, yeah. you know that it takes a little practice for that. Yeah, and then you'll be able to take uh, uh, Dread Italy 3 in October. So, yeah. But we have a lot of other seminars and webinars coming up. Uh, check acumates.com. We have uh, Anthony has another carpal tunnel, lateral elbow pain, and trigger finger webinar coming up in August 10th, Saturday, August 10th. It's on early bird now through August 1st. I think it ends on August 1st. We have an early bird right now. Check that out, acumates.com. Stay active on the group. Check out the events. See what's coming up. And uh, we'll have more of these shows too. So, just want to thank everybody for coming out. It's been Thanks, a everybody. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, thank Thanks, you. <laughs> we'll have more pictures up on the group from this weekend for the seminar. Except you're not coming. I'll be there Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. We'll see. Becky asked, "What's the answer?" We're not going to tell you. <laughs> Josh has Thanks to look. Guys. All right. Yeah, we actually asked you because we wanted to know. It wasn't because. Ooh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't want to be quizzed on it. We wanted to quiz you on it. I want a hat. Actually, Adam, you're here. You're going to get plenty of attire. Ah, oh, perfect. Wait, we have another chat. Ken Rebecca says, Can I just have a hat? Your dog chewed your last one. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you. Good night. Later, night.